How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Adam Baker. Adam is a three-time software founder with two exits and currently co-founded and is the CEO of DealPad.io. He's had some awesome experience. He's been the CSO at three, kind of three $100 million-plus companies on top of a three-time founder with two exits and has worked at companies like Salesforce and Intuit. Adam, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show, dude. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. Good yeah, to see I'm, I'm excited to have a fellow brethren, a fellow enterprise sales brethren on the show. Um, we are few and far between. I have a lot of technical founders. I have a lot of product founders, but there's not a lot of enterprise sales background founders. So super excited to mix it up with you today, man, and just pick your brain and see how you've kind of evolved to this point. But before we do that real quick, I want to do a real quick revenue rundown so we understand kind of where you're at in the stage of the journey of uh, building out your company. And, and so where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? Um, so we're about 1.6 million. Nice. Congratulations, man. And how long have you been around for? Uh, just over a year. Okay. Fantastic. That's, that's fantastic for a year. Um, what's your primary go-to-market strategy for growing the company? Uh, it's being very specific and very intentional about who we, who we speak to. Um, so we've spent a lot of time um, testing out our ICP and our ideal buyers. Um, we've narrowed it down. So we're very, we're so very intentional about who we want to sell to, who we want to work with, um, who we can really make successful. And I think knowing that it's been, it's made it much easier for us to go to market. So right now we have very, we spend very little on marketing. Um, we spend kind of like four or five K a month. Wow. Um, we do most, we do most of our work um, on, um, on LinkedIn because that's where our buyers are. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, you know, intentional outreach and, and, and talking to the right people. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and helping them through the kind of understanding what their pains are. And because we, you know, we, we've got very specific pains that we work to and, and really trying to kind of help them understand if they, if they have that pain and if they do, then how we can help. And, and, it, and it makes a big difference. So we're, I mean, we're applying, you know, kind of the, the enterprise sales methodology through, um, through our own process. Okay. Excellent. And you said LinkedIn, do you do more uh, content creation? Does your team do more content or more like direct messaging no, with no, questions no. or emails? Yeah, hardly any of that. If, if you look at our LinkedIn, um, we, to be honest, we do a lot more with it. We don't, we, we don't post any, hardly anywhere near enough. Um, it, it's literally, you know, these are our ideal customers. These are our ideal buyers inside those organizations. Let's directly engage them. Um, and, and we level sell. So um, I will identify who the CEOs are for those, those organizations um, and connect in with them. Um, my, you know, my AE will go in and find um, the chief sales officers or the VP sales, and our SDRs will probably go in and find the heads of sales uh, and the AEs. And, and between us, you know, we level sell through those organizations and make sure that we're, we're having um, conversations with um, different levels inside that organization because every, every different buying persona has a different problem. You know, what they, what they, why they're going to buy DealPad is, 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 is different. You know, a CSO will have a different reason for buying DealPad than a CEO. Um, and the pain that the VP of sales is trying to solve will be different from what the CSO 
um, will want the iPad for. Yet everything's aligned. You know, there's there's a kind of a, an underlying reason why they all want to buy the iPad, but the triggers will be different. And so we talk to each individual buying persona differently. Okay. Well, I want to get into that in one second, just real quick. But as a follow-up, because it sounds like you got a, a pretty solid, like, basic plan in terms of executing on LinkedIn. I guess, like, how did you, you, you mentioned your, your ICP, you whittled that down, so it made it much, much simpler. How did you interrogate your ICP on the front end to have such swift and fast results? So I mean, we, I've been in the buyer's seat. So I, I've, I've been the buyer. So I know what pains we're solving. Um, and it was more about the size of the organization that we thought would, you know, would, would really need us. And so we tested out that a lot. Um, and, and we had a hypothesis that we tested. And it was until the point we got repeatability in terms of you know, the deals we were closing. Um, so we knew then if we spoke to this size company in this moment with this um, ACV, average contract value, um, then we're more likely to close these deals than if we spoke to a, a, a company that was outside of those parameters. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and going through your solution, so so walk us through in a couple of sentences like what your solution does exactly, because I'm every, sure everyone, uh, you the listeners, interested in hearing that right now. Yeah, of course. So um, before I do that, let me just ex- explain to you a little bit about the problem of enterprise sales. So if I'm if I'm selling to Procter and Gamble, I have twenty plus stakeholders that I need to influence to get that deal closed. Mm-hmm. I may only need to meet them once. But if I don't, it's going to kill the deal. So take, take for example, um, I need to integrate DealPad into Oracle inside in Procter & Gamble. To find the person that looks after the Oracle integration is massively painful. To get access to them and get them engaged in a process is even more difficult. Now extrapolate that across 20 of the other stakeholders for data, compliance, IT, security. You know, it's a minefield for, us, for an enterprise salesperson. And DealPad fixes that problem by enabling the buying team to invite each other in. So no longer do I need to know who these people are and where they sit. Um, I, I, I now bring my, empower my buying team to bring them into the process when they're ready. And we do that um, by building uh, mutual two-way buying experiences. So rather than me pushing a sales process to um, my buying team, I'm now partnering with them through the process. And it becomes the differentiator. And so if I'm, if I'm now um, working on, on enterprise software, rather than selling that software, I'm actually going to partner through the process with my buyer. Love that, man. Makes a lot of sense. And I think, I imagine the receptivity of the buying team is really open to that, I would think, just because it makes it simpler on their end. And that's one of the things that they're, I've seen them struggle with big time is communication and basically making it simple. Well, if you think about a buying team, you know, they have to, they're, they're committed to buying software, right? It's not their job, but they're committed to buying software. And if it's, you know, 50,000 and above, particularly when you go into the kind of six, seven figures of, of software buying, you're not going to be the only vendor that they evaluate. There are going to be four or five other vendors. They have to go through a process with five other vendors, not just you. If you're all hassling them, chasing them, um, they can't get access to you. You can't get access to them. The, the experience for the buyer is, is really bad. There's a lot of friction there. And what DealPad um, aims to do is to remove the friction on both sides. So the sellers stay in control, get access to their buying team. So they know there's buying intent from the get-go. If there's not, they can pull out really fast and stop wasting time. And on the buyer's side, they actually get a process that fits theirs. And so they're not being chased and hassled and sold to. Um, they're, you know, they're actually finding a vendor that they can partner with. 
And honestly, it's, the, it's a game changer. It, it, it defines whether you're going to win that deal or not eight times out of 10. Yeah, I agree. So how large is your team, Adam? So we're small. We're 17 currently. 17 currently? Okay, yeah. excellent. So yeah. That, and then what about, are you bootstrapped or funded? Uh, we're bootstrapped. Oh, congratulations, yeah. man. That's a pretty, actually, I don't think 17 is that small for your revenue number considering you're bootstrapped. That's, that's a, like, typically there's not that many people for, for bootstrap. So that surprises me at that revenue number. Are they mostly right. devs yeah. or salespeople or what's the kind of the mix? Yeah. But today, mainly engineering um, product. We've got a, a, a go-to-market motion um, and, um, but it's, it's about a third of our, um, of our total um, FTE. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So, so let's walk through. You know, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, and I know you have a, a, a breadth of experience doing this. And just on the pre-show, we, we kind of talked about like how you got to this point with the success you had and, and, and then you decided to automate it, right? So like, I guess if you look at the formula, so you, you kind of touched on it briefly, but like of your past, so how long have you been in enterprise sales for collectively? Let's say including now. Yeah, I mean, it was it was my so sale, sales software sales was my first job um, back in 1995. Okay, so uh, I, I was uh, I was an SDR. Well, they didn't call it an SDR then, but I was an SDR essentially, um, and spent six years at Intuit and um, ended up as their VP of sales. So I've been selling enterprise software for about 20 years. Wow. Okay. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So across that 20 years, which is, you know, tremendous sample size, I would say, right? So let's, let's deconstruct that so we can build off your sample size. Like, you know, you, you've, you've created this process where you invite the other buyers in and make it very simple and frictionless. Like, what's the difference that you've seen results-wise from doing that versus, let's say, without leveraging a process like yours when it comes to that? Yeah, so I, I think that as particularly in enterprise sales, but also mid market these days, mid market could be you know thirty to a hundred thousand, maybe a bit more uh, in ACV, right? In average, average contract value. So these are these are complex deals. The complexity is changing. Buyers are becoming more sophisticated. They're really nailing their own process, and that makes sellers um, quite vulnerable and puts them out of control quite a lot. So what we see is where we do this quite a lot. So we go into larger organisations where. Dealpad sits inside a siloed team, sales team, maybe in a region, maybe in, in North America, for example, um, where most of our customers are today. And um, they would then have the Amir team not using Dealpad and the North American team using Dealpad. And the difference is staggering. So we're, we're, the, the difference is about 18% in win rate, um, an increase of 18% in win rate. And the reason for that is because with Dealpad, the sales teams are now following a process. They're following a formula and they are able to track 
and engage their stakeholders so they know what they're doing, they know who they've got access to, who they don't, who's active, who's not, what, you know, what their sentiment is. And so they can really lean in and, and help kind of influence different stakeholders based on you know, where, what they're struggling with. Um, a, a great example with, with DealPad is that we had a, a buying team. Um, we were a deal we were working on um, a few months ago. And we could see there was somebody uh, in that buying team that was really struggling to see where DealPad fit. And, and so they couldn't understand our value prop well enough. And we could see it from how they were engaging and what they were consuming inside, inside our buying space, inside DealPad. And we helped them understand what our value prop was. They got comfortable with it. And we closed the deal. Now, if we didn't know that, if we didn't have that data to be able to fall back on, to be able to see, you know, what people were actually looking at and what they were actually thinking when they're, you know, not with us, we probably would have lost that deal because they were a key influencer. And it's it's having that capability to be able to, you know, understand what your buyers are doing, understand if you've got access to everybody you need to get that deal closed, and then going through the process with that buyer and partnering with them. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a firm believer in it because there's the, you know, there's the, I mean, there's the KPIs that they're evaluated on. Right. So that's like the work component. Like, do they want to get promoted, avoid getting demoted? You know, what's that? And then there's the relationship components too. Like what's the driving force behind it outside of work. Right. Is it, is it their family? Is it, they want personal freedom? Are they trying to buy a house? Like all those factors fit in. So I guess like, how do you identify the gaps and do you address situations like kind of what I just mentioned right there? I don't, I'm not sure I understand the question. So when you say, how do we identify the gaps in, 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 in terms of the, the, the personas we're selling to? Or no, no, no. Or? The, the gap that you just mentioned in that example where the person, you, you noticed there was something wrong. Was that just from feedback and interaction in the team? Or is there something that the software picks up based on yeah, interaction and involvement? Yeah, it's data. So we can see uh, inside the DealPad platform everything that our buying team are doing. So we can see how long they're spending on certain pieces of content we share with them, for example. And, and so we can really see where, you know, where they're spending most of their time. And usually the more time they spend somewhere is because they're really trying to assess something or they're trying to get themselves comfortable with something. Uh, and so we can, we can see that and we can then lean in and help them um, get comfortable on that particular area. Ah, uh, Okay. So it's basically like you give them enablement. I don't want to say enablement content because it's more on the, the internal side, but um, buying content, right, that they could leverage. And so if someone's completely disengaged or not checking out anything or responsive, then you, you kind of flag that. Is that something along those lines? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, ex- exactly. So we can, we can see sentiment. So we can see, um, you know, how, how they view our solution. So, you know, are they an advocate? Are they a detractor? You know, do they, do they know about our solution? You know, how engaged in this process are they? Um, who they've invited in? So, you know, actually, are they inviting more people into the, into the process with them, um, which is a big indicator of intent? Um, mm. We can see what they're and what, you know, what they're interested in, where they're spending most of their time. Um, and all of this data helps the, you know, the, the sales individual really understand, you know, A, is their buying intent? B, do we have everybody in the process we need? And C, you know, where do we need to lean in and, re- and really help them through their own journey? Okay. Love that. And then what's the magic number for like intent? Like, I guess not intent, but like action intent or <clears throat> action feedback of when they invite, like, would you say the inviting part is the most critical factor that, that is like the buying indicator? Or like, if you, you had to kind of stack rank, what's the most important ones that you look at? 
Well, you know, I th- so I think it's it's influence, level of influence. So if, if we, have, you know, our champion, for example, we would want our champion to bring in the people of influence <clears throat> and, and get us access to them. Okay. If they can't do that, uh, that that's a challenge. If we, if we then see people of influence coming in and not engaging in the platform, then that's a, that's a red flag for us. Yeah. Um, you know, what you typically find is the champion will bring in the exec sponsor or the economic buyer. And from there, the economic buyer will then start to bring in people of seniority into their team. So it might be the CFO, it might be somebody from legal, it might be um, you know, the chief sales officer, for example, because they've got the influence to be able to do that. If we're not seeing that happen, um, that tells me that there might not be real intent from the exec sponsor's side. Um, and, and, and that will, I, that will trigger us to kind of really home in as a gap to say, like, we need this, we need to get, you know, we need to get these other people involved. We've now got access to the exec sponsor. Let's use them to get, to get the right people at the table. If we can't, then we'll back out and we won't waste time on this deal. Yeah. And that's critical, critical, man. Like, so one of the big problems that salespeople have is they waste so much time in deals where they've got advocates that are in the buying team but with no buying authority and they continue they continue with optimism to try to try and think well we're, we're going to get access to the authority at some point let's just carry on and often they never do and these deals don't close and, and it happens repeatedly across every sales team i've ever seen yep yep no it's true it's true yeah i, I think yeah you could and it's deadly for an enterprise sale right if you waste nine months on a deal that you never 12 months on a deal you never had a chance to win. Hey, listen, I've, I've been there multiple times. Um, you know, one of the triggers for this was for, for me setting this up was that we had a, 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 a massive deal. It was a million ARR, which is big, big for us um, on a three-year contract. Um, and we were in that process for about 10 months. I personally, I was the exec sponsor <clears throat> on my side. I personally spent about 30 hours uh, in meetings, traveling to, to the customer who, who were uh, not in the UK where I was based at the time. Um, and out of nowhere, they closed off the deal and said, sorry, you know, we've given it to another vendor. And, and what had happened is uh, one of our competitors, really at the 11th hour, had come into the process and managed to get in, in, into bed with the CEO of the company we were, we were selling to. And it scuppered the deal. It scuppered 10 months of work and hundreds of hours. If I think about oh, yeah. the t- my team and, 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 you know, across the you know, eight or nine people that had, had been in and out of, the, of that deal on my side. Um, we'd spent, we'd spent a h- hundreds of hours in that, in that deal over, over 10 months and it scuppered it. Yeah. Just because, because one of our competitors was able very quickly to get access to the CEO and we won. Deal, deal lost. And we that's had that. what we're trying to solve. Yeah, we ran into that too. I had someone on my team. This was a big learning experience is we had someone that the big, big mistake we made is we were, I don't know, it was, it was, yeah, it was like a 6 million AR deal. Uh, and basically what happened was um, we, we went through the entire process. It was RFP, super intensive in healthcare. Um, I think there was like 28 vendors competing for this, right? Uh, we got down to the final two and then we lost. And the reason being is because the budget, um, we didn't get access to one person and it was the one person who the budget was moving from these departments of people we were working with to this unknown player. Um, it was never disclosed in any of the process or anything like that. Right. But we didn't have access to them. So it, you know, they, and they, they, the competitor did right. And they, they built a relationship with them and, um, so anyways, it was a hard learning experience. 
I think one of the one of the big problems, particularly in enterprise, where you've got a matrix of stakeholders, is they don't really understand their process very well. Never. You know, they don't understand what they're going to go through. And and it's it's almost the kind of intangible things like, oh, I didn't realize there was a, a committee meeting that sits every quarter. Yep. Um, you know, and, and, and so now we've got to wait another three months before we can get this signed off. Or, oh, I didn't realize we had to put out a business plan to show that committee. You know, that's going to take us another three weeks. Um, and it's, it's almost these intangible things that, that sales people often don't think about naturally. Um, that when you, go th- when you go through a process with your buying team very early on, you start to uncover what this process looks like on both sides and you align on it. One of the, you know, I don't know a sales team today outside of the ones that are using DealPad um, that, that don't use optimism and intuition to forecast a deal. And, oh, and the, that's the, the like a sales organization. <clears throat> well, it is, right? And the challenge I've got with that is you'll say this is going to close on the 20th of February because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Now, whatever X, Y, and Z reasons are, 99% of the time, they're not aligned with the buyer. The buyer doesn't even know the 20th of February is a close date. So, you know, they're not, they're not, so you're, you're, you're literally shooting for a close date. The whole business aligns to it. They expect to get the revenue in. But the buyer, the, the, the actual one entity that you need to align on this, doesn't even know about it. And, and it's almost crazy that we're in 2022, 23 even, 2023, and we're still, we're still doing that on big enterprise sales deals. And that, that's one of the problems that DealPad solves. It, it eliminates all of that unknown, all of that uncertainty. Yeah. No, it's true, ma'am. It's true. So um, and I, it sounds like a great solution. So let's shift gears a little bit here, right? So, you know, you've had your two-time, well, let me take a step back. So you're a two-time founder, right? You had a couple exits and you've been in the startup SaaS space for a long time, right? So how did you like validate the idea that you needed to create another company out of this when you were just, you know, most recently a VP of sales? Yeah. So, um, so when I, when I exited my last company, it was 2014. I, I, I took some time out, um, made some investments and didn't plan to start another company. Uh, and then I fell into a, a chief sales officer role. And in that role, I implemented my process that I've used for many years to help get buyers to the table um, and build this kind of partnership through the process. And it was partly Excel and it was partly kind of documentation and, and just, a, just a training process. And when I, when I left that organization in 2020, um, I had about 70 salespeople globally. The incoming chief sales officer replaced me basically said, look, what on earth are you doing using Excel uh, in 2020? This is insane. And went out and bought software. And over the course of the next 12 months, um, I had probably half of that sales team reach out to me to say, we wish we could still use your process. And your, you know, your Excel sheet is better than the software that the company have invested in. And I just thought to myself, do I really want to start another company? Because it's, it's hard work, it's tough, it's stressful. But the timing was right. You know, I think that if you speak to any mid-market enterprise sales team today, um, they are continually trying to optimize their sales process. They're, continu- they're introducing mutual action plans as part of their process, but 
nine out of 10 companies that introduce mutual action plans into customers fall flat because they don't have access to the buying team. And if you don't have access to your buying team, mutual action plans won't work. And so we are um, bringing software that enables the buying t- the sellers to get their buying team engaged and then start to use tools like mutual action plans to, to, to get the deal closed. And that was the catalyst of it really for me. It was just that there's a, there's a big problem here. Um, I've sat in the seat of this problem for many, many years. Um, and I think as increasingly as um, software purchasing becomes more sophisticated, sellers need to raise their game and they need, they need to start to really think about the process they're driving. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. And I mean, it's a great validation point when you have that many um, of your old team coming back to you. So what would you say is the biggest challenge in building a software company because you've done it multiple times and uh, there's obviously lots of ups and downs. What do you see are the, the biggest challenges? I, honestly, so many. Um, I mean, the barrier to entry is low. So, you know, your market gets saturated really quickly. Um, and particularly if, if um, in our space, for example, um, enterprise sales, um, enterprise software, it, 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 there's so many. And it's, it's kind of, you know, trying to cut through all the noise because there's a lot of noise there um, and standing out in that noise to show that actually you're, you're delivering value. That's a, that's a real challenge. Um, economic conditions, I mean, you know, we're heading into a recession, apparently. Um, certainly there's a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, macroeconomics and, you know, that when, when, when companies think about investing, you know, software is, is something they probably push back on. And, and, um, and so that's, that's also a challenge. Although that said, now is the best time to invest in sales software. Um, because if, you know, you need to close more deals, you need to win more of the deals you're working on. Um, and, and, um, so software like DealPad helps with that. So I don't think that's going to be a huge barrier. And then, then you've just got, you know, the, the, the obvious things like getting through product market fit, trying to figure out who you're, you know, who you're really selling to, who do you make successful? And that takes time. That's not something that um, it's taken us a year and it's not something that happens overnight. And so then you need a, you need a, a runway of a year, uh, at least a year um, to be able to get to a point where you're, you're reasonably confident, but if you talk to these types of organizations and, 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 you know, really identify the pain you're solving for them, they will get really great use out of your software. And I mean, you know, just building companies is tough, right? I think that there's a great, um, a great image. I'll, sh- I'll share it with you after, after this that I, I, I shared years ago now, but it stays true, which is, it's like what a founder thinks their journey is going to be like, and it's the hockey stick oh, yeah. Yeah. Versus, versus reality, which is this. Yep. Yep. The heart monitor. And, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so true. Right. And, and, um, but as founders, we're, we're just plenary optimism, optimists. And, you know, we, we've just got this steadfast belief where we're onto the right thing. We're doing the right thing. And that's all we've got. I think found, that's what all founders have got. Um, and that's all we've got to believe in that we're, we're, you know, we're solving a problem. We believe in it. Um, and, and that's usually enough to see a lot of founders through. Um, but then you need to find product market fit. You need to find, um, you know, you, you, you need to find the timing needs to be right. Um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that, that founders need to navigate their way through. The timing's right. Like what, what, what are you talking about when you mean that? Like can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think if we, if we had launched DealPad five years ago, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure timing would have been right um, because I think the enter- mid-market to enterprise um, software sales wasn't as complex as it is today. And I think today sellers really need to think carefully about their process and, and how they're going to market, you know, how they're partnering with their buyers. You know, gone are the days where you can just push emails out and you, can, you chase people up and you get on the phone and you hassle buyers. You're never, ever going to win a deal um, when you're being evaluated with five other vendors um, like that. And, and so how do you stay in control and at the same time give the buyer the best experience that they can possibly have? And so you're putting the buyer first. And the way that DealPad does that is we um, create these two-way collaborative buying processes and it works on both sides. But we, I don't think, you know, we would have been, I mean, mutual action plans is a term. It wasn't even coined five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, today, most enterprise sales teams that I speak to are thinking about, if, if they haven't already, implementing some kind of mutual action plan. Yeah. And so I think yeah. timing, is, timing is everything, right? Um, and and um, I think that, that for us, for me, that's why I think this is the time is right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so how is ChatGPT affecting your business right now? Well, positively, in that we're using it for a lot of our, um, a lot of our posts. We're, we're creating a lot of our, our go-to-market content through ChatGPT. Um, we're, we're, we're building out templates um, with ChatGPT. So there's pre-populated content that's coming from ChatGPT. Um, we're using it for SEO. So, you know, all of our, our, our SEO um, posts, et cetera, and, and blogs and content are coming from ChatGPT. GPT. It, I mean, it doesn't um, hinder us in any way. Okay. It was a pleasure having you on the show and uh, we look forward to seeing you all on the next episode. Thanks, Ron. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.